0% finance, 100% confidence. With a 212 Volkswagen Atla Hartz Volkswagen Kilkenny, we have new car offers including low-age PCP finance on a range of models, including the all-electric ID3, the iconic Golf and the new Tiguan, along with service plans at $12.99 per month. Visit lahartzvolkswagen.ie. Volkswagen. Finance provided by Volkswagen Financial Services Ireland and subject to lending criteria. Terms and conditions apply. With a look back over the weekend sport action, this is Full Time on KCLR with Eddie Scully. And you're very welcome to Full Time on KCLR with myself, Eddie Scally. What a brilliant weekend of sport we've been having in the weekend just past. We had big football championship matches in Carlow. The horse racing scene really did start to take off this weekend with Down Royal having their Ladbroke Chase weekend, which was a massive event. And of course in Kilkenny, the hurling championships have really started to take to life with the semi-finals from the weekend in both the junior and in the intermediate hurling. And in intermediate hurling is where we're going to start. Yesterday I had the privilege of joining Adrian Ronnie Ronan to watch the first game and Adrian stayed and obviously commentated on the second game as well but just before I left Nolan Park Adrian asked me who I thought would win that game I told him I felt Thomastown might just edge it by a score but Ronnie was very very confident when he said to me he thinks Glenmore will edge this one and he was spot on Ronnie why were you so confident? Um I don't know whether I saw a confident or just trying to be contradictory to yourself, possibly, <laughs> but that might be the uh, um, no I wasn't confident I thought it was very close uh, going into the game but one one particular statistic that I just picked up in preparing for the game uh, that I had forgotten about was the fact how close Glenmore were last year to beating Liz Downey and the reason I was given then Glenmore a great chance I thought Liz Downey were excellent last year and they've proven to be excellent at senior level so I was just reading into the whole Glenmore piece and just thinking to myself like that they had a great chance and just based on that and I heard before the game that Thomas Town might have been down two players or only down one so I just had a hesitant hesitant um, feeling for Glenmore and look at it as it turned out they just hurled very well in the day and just you, you were there to witness as well they just just one of these games where they 1-15 to 15, they hunted down Thomas Town never gave um, give up on any any ball and when you have a team fighting like that on their backs it gives you a great chance and that's that was the platform for Glenmore yesterday they just had that hunger and the desire and when you have that as I said the rest takes care of itself and for them uh, it did take care of it for themselves and unfortunately for Thomastown you know it just didn't happen on the day they just didn't get enough scores on the board and like Ronnie the conditions yesterday were you know there were really tough conditions for, for, for the two semi-finals but you know I, I thought particularly the Glenmore Thomastown game at the start it was pretty rough weather as well now it, it kind of cleared off a little bit but there was there was good scoring in the game I mean it was it was a really tight battle from the off yeah well thankfully as you know yourself when you're involved in games and watching games and commentating games you're trying to get a feel for it and you're trying not to be as accurate as you can of course everyone won't think that or believe that or um and you're just worried that are you watching the same game as everyone else is watching and thankfully at half time you could see it in the media box you could see it in the uh, around us in the stand and you could hear the crowd everyone was buzzed up by the quality of the hurling and yes you're right the conditions didn't lend to the perfect hurling but it, the hurling was excellent the, the commitment was excellent the endeavour was excellent and look when you have those three ingredients you're in for a great afternoon's hurling and the honesty was there and then I know we're going to get to it possibly and then you had a referee that let the game flow. And all of a sudden, you know, you have a game that's going from end to end. 
and you know it, it lends to great hurling and it was great hurling because anyone you speak spoken to since then we all enjoyed the game everyone thought it was one of the better games in Northern Park in the last couple of weeks and months and particularly at adult level so yeah it turned out to be a very exciting game an exciting finish um, huge decisions not made huge decisions made and obviously in the favour of Glenmore in the end and, and, and Ronnie just just on, on that game itself I mean it was billed as kind of the two favourites really for the championship you know when the when the semi-final draw was made you know everyone was kind of saying Glenmore and Thomastown falling on the same side of the draw you know it was billed as kind of nearly the team that people would have expected these two teams to get to the county final and play each other you know like do, do you feel the game lived up to that type of a billing? Well it certainly lived up to the billing of, of, of a quality hurling game because um, semi-finals can sometimes be a miss because obviously no one remembers to lose us in a semi-final and it all it's about getting to a final but as regards the spectacle and as regards uh, hurling and as regards excitement and scores missed and scores got it was it was as good as a game we've seen this year and as you said in the conditions but you just can't underestimate the, the, the hunger and the desire and when you're playing sport at any level I believe if you have those two ingredients in your bag going into a game or going into a dressing room, if you have that the hunger and you have that passion, you have that desire, it gives you a great chance no matter who the opposition is. And to be fair to Glenmore, they were the underdogs. Maybe in some people's eyes, uh, too too much maybe written off. And they probably they fed into that whole uh, idea of being written off. And then, of course, there was a lot of media attention with the Thomastown management team. And they probably fed off of that as well. And there was a common denominator then, of course, that we didn't tap into uh, during the game until maybe during the game was Morris Alward. Morris Alward has been so fortunate or so good uh, with our club teams in Kenny, Bally Hale. He's been with Thomas down the last two years. He brought him to those county finals. And strangely, or not strangely, whatever the case may be, he was in the, in the Glenmore camp yesterday. And it was a difficult situation for Morris Alward because Morris Alward was very close to the Thomas Town players, very close to Henry and the boys. But that added a bit of spice uh, coming down the home stretch. And yeah, when it mattered most, then as was Glenmore, as I said, just wanted that little bit more and just had that bit of look on the day. And at the risk of being, and I'm not trying to be controversial in any way, shape, or form here, but the announcement of Henry going to Galway and obviously Richie going to Galway as well, like, would that be a little bit of a distraction for the Thomastown players in the build-up to this game, or do you think is that something that that doesn't matter? You know, you focus on 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 the job at task. You, you know, as a as a former player yourself, Ronnie, is that something that could get into your heads a little bit? You know, because it it did happen kind of at a two week lead up to a county county semi final, and then it's announced that your manager's taken over Galway. Like there would have been a lot of media hysteria about it. Yeah, but to be fair to the boys involved, Henry's a very private person. Richie's a very private person, and they had that well thought out and planned they got to talk to Thomas Town players well in advance it was 10 days beforehand if anything I suppose to be fair to Glenmore they probably fed off of it and they used it as maybe a battering ram for themselves and they used it as a motivation tool but to say it upset Thomas Town no the boys are well focused well organised it's just one of those days when you go to a game and go to a team uh, semi-final and Thomas Town will reflect on this today a lot of players just didn't have the games that they expected and that can happen on a day you need you know ten, especially in a semi-final you need 10, 12, 13 of your players playing at their optimum and Thomas now maybe hadn't 10, 12, 13 players at the optimum playing at the optimum they just you know there was a few key battles uh, of course Tucker Thomas Hanrahan was having a great game in the corner forward but outside of that in the six forwards the rest of the forwards were only breaking even with the Glenmore men and that's where it got to one and lost and I suppose 
the battle then of, of trying to keep Owen Murphy quite Owen Murphy dictated the game for six and look you have to win as I said most of the battles and unfortunately for Thomastown on the day they just weren't winning the key battles up front and that's where it was won and lost I suppose the Glenmore forwards just got those few breaks at vital times, where the Thomas Town Brawlers weren't getting them. And no matter how you, who you are, what you are, on the sideline, you can't play the game for them. And at the end of the day, if the players play the game uh, when they cross the white line, and unfortunately, it just didn't happen for them. And it's, but look, they're a young team. I know it's very hard for them today, very difficult for them. Their third or fourth final, they're there and there about the last couple of years. But look, they'll have to, they'll, of course, they'll be hurt for the next week or two, but they'll reflect under a new management, obviously, now and come back bigger and stronger because they have quality players all over the field to come back and uh, bounce back and they're young most of those young men you know, the most of them are young so I have no fear that Thomas Town will come back and bounce back but it'll be difficult Yeah of course and as you said it'll be hurting for the next couple of weeks but they are a very very good team and I, I am sure they will be back bouncing for next year's championship and they'll probably go into the championship as one of the favourites as well uh, The other semi-final Ronnie um Johnstown against Frenchford, Fenians against St. Lactans, but like the the game, the the big turning point in that game, Ronnie, you know, it has to be said was the was the red card to Rory feeling there for Fenians. Yeah, um, you you and I were there and we were doing our best. It was a very good opening fifteen minutes for Johnstown. They were all over. They had a brilliant first quarter. Had a penalty. Went over the bar. He did go for a goal. Young Webster, he missed it. And I had another chance for Connor Tobin. He missed it for a goal chance. If they had to get those two goal chances, you know, all of a sudden, Johnstown should have been maybe up, you know, 2-4, 2-5 to a point. And all of a sudden, Freshford then are really under pressure. But um, Freshford hung in there and had a brilliant second quarter, whatever Stephen Farrell said at the water break. He didn't say much, as we said, Eddie, because I think they only had a water break. was 30 seconds. They were very snappy in the water break. But I'd say Stephen Farrell obviously said something very, very clear and very clever to the group because they came back a new team. Now, of course, the Johnstown men were down to 14, but to score eight points against the wind, against the elements in Nolan Park in that second quarter, and that's where the game was won and lost. They just had that brilliant quarter. Um, it took Johnstown a while to readjust. They did have a very good third quarter. They held their own, but then when the fourth quarter came, Liam Hickey decided that's it. He had enough of it. And he decided, I have enough. I want to get off here, out here early. And he, he banged in two brilliant goals, one a penalty, brilliantly struck, and then another class goal. Johnstown were brilliant as they always are to fight their backs they had a you know a huge spirit but unfortunately on the day the discipline caught them John Kennedy I don't think had any choice in that case um, it was a difficult uh, game to you know so early in the game it was a you know it was a rash a rash challenge at a rash time of course the people in the public will say maybe the freshman man uh, could have and should have maybe had been more uh, of a heftier sentence but he didn't and that's where the game was won and lost. Uh, Johnstown just got the break. But they're in there, as I said, with the third quarter. But Freshford pulled away. And look, it'll make it an interesting final because now Freshford are going into a final. Glenmore are going into favourites. They're going to have to wear that tag uh, and see can they hold that mantle as favourites. Freshford, again, most people will be writing them off. And they'll say that, you know, that Glenmore are obviously favourites. But that'll suit Freshford perfectly. And they have a lot of, a good few players can improve on their performances yesterday. Freshford won yesterday with, you know, maybe eight or ten lads playing as good as they can. So if they can get a bounce out of the other four or five and maybe have 12, 13 guys playing very well in the final, then they'll ask questions of Glenmore. Uh, Ronnie, like one of the things I'm hoping you probably got to the bottom of before you left Nolan Park, I unfortunately couldn't. We were, weren't the only people that could be confused and 
I did say it to you at the time I thought maybe it was the water breaks but there was confusion with the scoreboard given one time and the referee blown like there was a free for Fenians when he blew for half time but the clock had only just turned 29.58 I think I looked it on the clock so it was two seconds of normal time left and it was blown for half time and, and subsequently for full time it was blown up bang on 60 minutes with no injury time did anyone come back and explain what had happened there? Yeah, uh, first of all it didn't uh, thankfully uh, have any bearing on of the course, sorry, yes. that result that was an important thing so that was the most important thing for everyone it didn't have a bearing on the game really uh, if at all um, was there confusion? yes and it all depends on who you were speaking to because when we do have uh, uh, meet guys in the in the Corral between the matches uh, there's a lot of people have uh, opinions on the game and different guys have different opinions and there was commentary coming from the referees group and there was commentary coming from the county board group and there was commentary coming from the timekeepers group and they all differed so I'm not too sure what happened. No one got to the bottom of it, but there was different opinions for sure. And um, it would seem that the that the referee he had two watches and he was playing as he thought was the correct uh, time. Um, so no, to answer your question, no, I didn't get to the bottom of it, or I didn't get a straight answer. No, so, and as and as you, as as you did say, it, it it did have no bearing on 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 yesterday's result, and it is important to point that out. I do know John does wear the two watches on his arm, and he kind of has both one as a backup. But it was just confusing, and I did say to you, you you know, you'd hate for something like that to happen in a county final, you know, a one point game, and next thing we're spending the week talking about the referee blew the game up early or something silly like that but we didn't get to the bottom of it and sure look we're, we're not going to get to the bottom of it on this there was one other game at the weekend uh, that I just want to ask you about as well was the relegation final between Aaron's own and Roar in Um by all accounts a pretty poor game on the day and unfortunately Roar in are slipping down to intermediate yeah, pro club, Rinnestig, Rinnestig, a pro club. No one wants that um, fixture and their calendar when they start out at the beginning of the year. Um, I've had the pleasure, or, the, or not the pleasure, but I've had the unfortunate that's pleasant four of those relegation finals in my senior career and thankfully won the four of them. Um, they're, they're the biggest match when you look back on your club career and if you get to play in them, they're the biggest matches. You can talk all you like about county finals and all earnings, but as regards a pressure game, it's massive. And to be fair to both teams, it's a massive pressure game because it's just such a tough place to be and you just don't want to make those mistakes and you just don't want to remember for making those mistakes. And unfortunately, when you're playing with a bit of fear, obviously it impacts on your the quality of hurling. And that's why we had such a low-scoring game and that's why I suppose both sets of players were afraid to make mistakes. And as it turns out, I wasn't at the game with listening and talking to people. I was at a Camogie game, as it turns out. Listening to most people, like, you know, the, the contributions, again, of the seasoned and experienced men for Castle Comer, uh, Conor Delaney, Kieran Wallace, Fogarty and Michael Murphy, they had a huge burden. And, you know, and when it mattered most, I believe Fogarty was really the instigator. He sat back in the last... 20 minutes and just showed up his half-back line and you know that's what experienced men do men they're able to handle pressure and used to big pressure moments and when it came to it uh, Comer survived and you know as, as I said it's tough on the roar um, not an easy place but unfortunately for them whatever vein of form they're in all year they just couldn't k- find their form from previous years and you know when you're in that rut you only have 6 or 8 weeks window you know in September in club hurling because of Covid September and October are key to your club hurling. You one or two injuries or one or two niggly injuries that affects the team. It's very hard to you know to get out of that. And, and a win is important. And unfortunately for the road, they didn't have a win all year, and uh, obviously now uh, have ended up in uh, intermediate. 
but there'll be a very good intermediate team going down. But that's no good to that's no good to the Rolling League today. They're down there and it's so difficult to get back. But they have plenty of young lads coming. Very seasoned campaigners have no fear of them for sure. But again, huge disappointment for them. It is indeed. And just before I let you go, Ronnie, of course, next weekend is the senior St. Canis's Credit Union senior final. Obviously, Ballyhale Shamrocks will be going into it as strong favourites, I would imagine. Uh, I'm sure O'Loughlin Gales will be fully ready for them as well. But if I was asking you to put a prediction on that game for us here now? Asher, sure, look, sure, the obvious... The obvious prediction is like most people in the county will say, if it's a charity bet, it's the Shamrocks, which you were going for four in a row. Playing, it seems, you know, at their ease in the the championship, uh, having a difficult September, having a better October, and probably a brilliant November. That's the way they operate. They they seem to have, they go by the months, not by the games. You know, as I said, if you look back at their history, they, 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 they meander through the month of September, they liven up sometime in October, and then they take off in November, so... Um, can they take off the charity betters Shamrocks but um, I know from my times playing O'Loughlin's um, up along at senior level and county finals and I know when O'Loughlin's were written off they were written off against us in the county final in 2002 or 19, 2001 and they made, they made a mess of that uh, book and to have Andy Comfort involved in them and i just looking again preparing for the game the weekend like the last couple of years on underage level minor and under 21 in Kilkenny um both the Shamrocks and O'Loughlin's have been winning titles at under-21 and minor. And these both these teams are backboned by these minors and under-21s. So I'm not too sure it's going to be as uh, easy for the Shamrocks as people might think. I think it'll be closer. But as I said, to be wrong and shameful not to write off the... to not say the Shamrocks. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all, especially with the weather... But O'Loughlin's have a few dangerous forwards and if they can get the better of them, I'll give them a great chance. But no, straight question, straight answer has to be the Shamrock. No, uh, 100% Ronnie, but hopefully we'll get to see a cracking game. Ronnie, as always, absolute pleasure chatting to you and thanks a million for taking my call this evening. Well, man, Eddie, thanks very much. Mind yourself. Cheers. That is, of course, Adrian Ronnie Ronan who called the two intermediate games so uh, well yesterday in Nolan Park. Just to bring you up to date on one of the other results from semi-finals before we take an ad break, the junior hurling semi-finals were played this weekend. Tullaher Ross Birkin ran out 27 points to 214 winners over James Stephen's second team and Sleeve Rue were beaten on a scoreline of 13 points to 6 goals and 13 points by Mooncoin, setting up a county final between Mooncoin and Tullaher Ross Birkin, which we played in two weeks time in Nolan Park and we're going to take an ad break right there Full time on KCLOR with thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at La Hearts, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny LaHartsVolkswagen.ie and you're very welcome back to Full Time on KCLR. We're going to switch our attention from hurling to all things horse racing and joining me on the line is my good friend Kevin O'Ryan Kevin, thanks a million for taking the call this evening Pleasure, Eddie. Kevin, big weekend in racing. The, the, the formerly the JM Wine Chase, of course, was on in Down Royal. First Grade One Chase of the year. Uh, your good pal Gordon Elliott absolutely cleaned up this weekend up in Down Royal. He did. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a meeting the Gordon always targets, and uh, it's really the start of the proper winter season, isn't it? And obviously, the rain that fell last week was a, a big help as well. And uh, we saw some cracking finishes, some cracking horses to look forward to going into the future months. And of course, uh, we're all coming around the big corner now speaking about Cheltenham and one eye in the Cheltenham Festival as well. And, uh, you know, Gordon won with some smashing horses. Uh, the bumper horse on Saturday, he was very, very impressive. He came with a big reputation. He'd won a pint of pint on his only start. 
and uh, as I say he ran out a, a very impressive winner indeed yeah, Marika Mike there, of course, Sean Thomas Doyle down this way, Farmer had him there for a while, trained him as well, done done a great job with him. But Gordon's seven winners over the weekend, I suppose, without pressing too much on, on, on Gordon's winners, which were obviously it was a brilliant weekend from earlier in the week, new story had broken. Henry the Bromhead had said that Davy Russell would be keeping his ride on Envo Allen, that Jack Kennedy would be keeping the ride on Manila Indo. I know both of them are, are jockeys of yours, Kevin. And then I was a bit surprised when I'd seen the two of them were down to ride the horses, I'll be honest, because I said, surely Gordon is going to have runners in these races and these are Gordon's jockeys. And then later in the week when declarations came true, Davy and Jack were basically, depending on who, what way you look at it, were told, you know, you're, you're riding for, for Gordon. Can you put a bit of light on exactly what happens in these situations and how that would have come about? Well, look, at the end of the day, uh, now, Davy Russell was never down in Envoy, Alan. It was, uh, there was nothing ever confirmed that he was going to ride, uh, obviously, the horse. He is uh, uh, Gordon Elliott's jockey, and Gordon Elliott obviously ran two horses in it, uh, Coco Beach and Favre Lagier that, Gar- that Davy had won on in, he came for Tom Lacey's, he won in Limerick, and obviously, uh, Gordon Elliott uh, wanted Davy Russell, his owners wanted Davy Russell, uh, to ride his horse in by Allen's race. And, of course, at the end of the day, he is uh, one of Gordon Elliott's jockeys. That's one of his bosses. And that's the reason why he had to ride for Gordon in it. But he was never actually officially booked to ride by Allen. Uh, Jack was a bit different. Jack went down school in Manila Endo the other afternoon. And uh, the owners of Delta Work, who, of course, Jack had won three grade ones in, they decided that, look, this is their Gold Cup horse. He's running in the grade one. Obviously, we all knew Delta Work would improve from a seasonal reappearance, as Manilenda would as well in uh, the Labrooks grade one chase at Down Rile. And uh, obviously, Jiggins Town were keen to have their regular rider riding Delta Work. And as I said, Jack Kennedy has won what, two grade two grade ones on him at the uh, at the moment, and he gets a great tune out of him. So at the end of the day, uh, both Jack Kennedy and Davy Russell are Gordon Elliott's jockeys. And, of course, Gordon Elliott's two independent owners wanted those two jockeys to ride for them. And that's just racing. That's the way it goes. Like, Jack Kennedy came in from the ride in fortuitous circumstances to win a Gold Cup, getting his biggest uh, win of his career because Rachel Blackmore had the choice of Manila Endo and a Plutard. She went for a Plutard, and Jack was the beneficiary of us, of... Uh, of uh, that choice and that occasion and it provided him with a Gold Cup success but it was a spare ride and hopefully in the future nobody knows what will happen but uh, you know Gar- uh, Jack will hopefully get the opportunity again to ride in Orlando as Davey might get the opportunity to ride in by Allen again when commitments allow them to but uh, look that's racing and uh, as I say, Davy Russell and Jack Kennedy, both of them are Gordon Elliott's jockeys at the end of the day. No, and this Gordon is it. Elliott's owners wanted the two boys to ride their horses, so basically there was no choice in the matter. Yeah, so it's it's really a non-story, Kevin. Anyone involved in racing would understand the circumstances and the situations, a bit like JP with his own retained riders, things like that. This happens every day. We don't hear about it. I'm sure the only reason we heard about it was, I suppose, they're two very high-profile horses and a very high-profile trainer as well. Um, well, look, that's it. And, of course, Henry and Barry Maloney are very understanding as well, as as, uh, as were the connections of Envoy uh, Allen as well. They know the story. And... Uh, as I say, hopefully, and who knows what's around the corner, and especially with horse racing, and especially with horses as well, nobody knows what's around the corner. 
just on the action on the track because uh, obviously we're going to be pressed for time and have a load of them to go through which is so first of all I suppose the, the one I want to talk Frodon um, Bryony Frost obviously Paul Nichols had the Lee Rodies to send over a horse from England the English tend to not come over and try and take us on in our own races at the moment but Frodon was quite impressive I'd say probably prepped ready this was Frodon's Gold Cup yeah, he was very impressive indeed. And back over the trip now, OK, he got nine, ten lengths to make up a Manila end or the Gold Cup run. But back over his proper trip, he's a King George winner. He doesn't get the trip in the, in the Cheltenham Gold Cup, as was evident last March time. But Paul Nichols is a great record in that race. Remember the likes of Cato Starr and those horses won it down through the years as well. And it's a race that Paul always likes to target. He hasn't had a runner in it now for the last couple of years, but Paul Nichols isn't afraid to bring them over. And I thought it created, added another another uh, um, extra spice, it added extra spice to what was a cracking race. I know there wasn't many runners in it, but there was, it was a race full of quality as well. And it was brilliant as well. Briny Frost coming over and riding. The down riders packed to the rafters on Saturday afternoon as it was on Friday. And it was great to see the reception uh, they got. But she bounced out, hooked out, and uh, brought them along a merry gallop and uh, got a breather in some turning into the straight. I did think she did let Rachel Blackmore up her inner coming down to what, two outs. And I thought Rachel Blackmore was going to go on and go and beat her. Manila Endo obviously took the run, as did the likes of Delta Work. And Galvin ran a career best race in second. Jamie Codd obviously came in for uh, a spare ride after Davy Russell was stood down after getting his fall in the maiden hurdle on the Greek. But it was Froden. He jumped from fence to fence. He was spot on for the day. And there's plenty of class about Froden as well. And I just thought it was a cracking renewal of what's a brilliant day, a brilliant grade one. And uh, it was just great. It's very important to see these English horses coming over and uh, taking on our best horses. And uh, that's what racing's all about. And I thought it was a great result. I thought, and he's, he's a great record fresh as well, Eddie Froden. And uh, he was spot on for the day. But we saw some great results up there. Great, uh, great finishes and some smashing horses. I was very impressed with Colin Murphy's uh, filly, Impervious, who won the grade three. She's now winner of her last three races. And uh, that was on Friday. Good to see Colin Murphy back with a really good horse as well. Phil Dore on Saturday for Gordon Elliott. He looks a, a exceptional three-year-old. He was very impressive. And uh, as with the likes, Envoy Allen was obviously very impressive as well. Didn't have to beat a whole pile. And American Mike in the bumper, he looks a smart horse. Yeah, definitely does. And, and one to watch for the season. We switch our attention a little bit to Cork on Sunday. Um, local trainer to us here in Kilkenny, Emmett Mullins, had a brilliant day yesterday in Cork. And of course, local owner, Margaret O'Rourke, um, the wife of Porrick O'Rourke, their horse, Cape Gen gentleman was extremely impressive in the chase I was very taken by him he was very good he's now two from two over fences I interviewed Emmett Mullins after his first winner brilliant day for Emmett and what a shrewd operator that man is Emmett Mullins he's some strike rate I think that's 15 winners over jumps so far this season and I interviewed him after uh, Crown's Major won the first his first ever treble first leg of a treble as well he was a bit concerned about the ground although that horse uh, Cape Gentleman had won in Cesarewitch in soft ground last year at the Curra but he was very concerned I was in Cork yesterday it never stopped raining all day long and uh, he jumped from fence to fence he bounced out made all never looked like he was going to get caught and Brian Hayes is easing him down from the back of the last he's absolutely bolted up two and a half looks his ideal trip but I was just very taken by the way he jumped 
He was very good on, on when he made his debut over fences at Punchestown. On totally different ground, that he was good ground that day. Obviously, his task was made easier when Bally Adam took a heavy fall at the first of Punchestown. But that was good ground, probably the quick side of good that day. It was bottomless there yesterday. He's run out a very, very impressive winner. He's going to be very exciting and a brilliant day for Emmett Mullins. Uh, 15 winners on the board already this season and a very very shrewd trainer indeed No definitely and I think Porrick and Margaret are going to have a lot of fun with Cape Gentleman I think the world is definitely that horse's oyster I heard Arkle being knocked around there and Marsh Chase has been knocked around for Cheltenham so who knows but the, the dream is most certainly alive with that horse oh, I'm sure Definitely definitely He's, he could go anywhere and you know what I wouldn't be afraid to drop him back to maybe two miles over fences as well I know he's a horse that won a, a Cesaro which over two miles in the flat but you know, if it was two miles yesterday, the ball could in as well. And there's no. plenty of strength and depth in that graded race yesterday. No, there definitely was. You know, we we looked at I spoke to Porrick earlier in the week, but I mean that's that's the, the level of the horse he is and hopefully he'll he'll stay sound and and, and, and Emmett's season uh, which is off to a brilliant start can continue in that vein. Uh, just last two things I want to talk to you about. Obviously early hours of tomorrow morning we've got the Melbourne Cup there's only the one Irish representative in it there thankfully Kilkenny have the flag flying bright, brightly there for the whole of Ireland with Twilight Payment running in it for Joseph O'Brien uh, big ask up against a very short price favourite I think it's the shortest price favourite in history for a Melbourne Cup uh, the horse that Twilight Payment will be taking on a big ask for Joseph tonight Big ask for Joseph, but isn't it isn't it wonderful? It's the start of a great international week of flat racing with uh, Irish trainers and jockeys as well that are represented. Joseph O'Brien had a brilliant winner of the Cox's Plate with State of Rest only a week ago. Twilight Payment gave bids to win back-to-back Melbourne Cups and very similar profile as it was last year as he was going into the race last year. He finished third in Irish St. Ledger last year. He's finished second in Irish St. Ledger this year to Sonny Boy Liston and you know he's got to have a big big chance it'll be a big ask to win back to back Melbourne Cups Joshua O'Brien's already won two Melbourne Cups obviously rekindling was his first Twilight Payment was his second what are we after winning now we're after winning four Melbourne Cups they're not well vintage crop all those years ago media puzzle as well and it's brilliant to see that the Irish are one of the high, one of the and represented again because obviously the uh, the veterinary procedures this year, hence there's very few Europeans in it, and hence there's only one Irish trained. And the Aussies don't like us coming over winning their big pots, so they've made it as difficult as possible for a repeat effort. But we'll all be shouting on Twilight Payment, and it's not just Joseph O'Brien. There's a massive Irish connection there as well. Johnny Allen, of course, who won his second Group 1 in the last week. Of course, he was on board. He's from Fermoy County Cork. Started off in the hill with Joseph's granddad, uh, Joe Crowley, and his aunt, of course, Francis Crowley, a stable conditional jockey. He he rode out his claim, hit a bit of a flat spot, uh, was a journeyman jockey, to be fair, over jumps here. He packed his bags, headed to, uh, to Australia, and now he's one of the top flat jockeys there. He won, of course, on board State of Rest to win the Cox's Plate last weekend. And last night, he won the Victorian Derby, another group one, uh, on uh, on uh, a horse of, who was it, Kieran Marr and David Eustace. And, of course, he's riding for those in the Melbourne Cup in the early hours tomorrow morning for Kieran Marr and David Eustace on a horse called Hitsuko. So there's a massive Irish interest as well. We see young Robbie Dolan being champion apprentice in Australia twice. He's from Kildare Town, and now Johnny Allen, a journeyman jump jockey here from County Cork. 
he's now making a great living for him as one of the top flat jockeys and dual group one winning rider in the last seven days in Australia. He's a big mount as well in the uh, Melbourne Cup tomorrow. Yeah, and just while we stay on horse racing for another minute, I will point out, of course, Vintage Crop, as you said, won a, won a Melbourne Cup, and of course, Rekindling, both Vintage Crop and Rekindling won in Goran Park. So 50% of Ireland's Melbourne Cup winners uh, won in Wonder Maidens in Goran as well, which is a nice little accolade to have. Before I let you um, go, Kevin, uh, sorry, go on. Twilight. Did Twilight Payment not win in Gorham Park as well? I don't think so. I think Twilight Payment won in Nace. I'm, I'm nearly sure. Uh, but okay. we, we'd take him if he did. I don't think he did, though. But before I let you go, Kevin, obviously next weekend is the Breeders' Cup. You know, it's 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 the, the, the World Championships, really. It's called the Breeders' Cup World Championships for a reason. It's, it's, it's something people could only dream of having a runner in, never mind a winner. But Ireland is sending over some absolute fairy tale stories next weekend. Ah, unbelievable. And this is something we should be very, very proud of, you know. Uh, we are, it's the only thing Irish people are world, world leaders in is the racing and breeding, the horse industry. And you see next weekend, Breeders' Cup, right? It's the biggest international meeting of the year throughout the world, right? The best horses, the best jockeys, the best trainers from all over the world compete in the Breeders' Cup, Right. We've got Michael O'Callaghan, his first ever runner over there. Trains on the Curra. Great season, 18 winners trained so far. Edo McGuinness, he's his first ever runner in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, a case of you in the Breeders' Cup sprint. Provided him with his first Group 1 winner in the Prix de l'Abbé in Longchamp a couple of weeks ago. We've also got Paddy Toomey, who had a brilliant season. He has his first runner over there in the Phillies and Mares with Pearls Galore, who just got beat, of course, in the Matron Stakes and ran a cracker then in France, I think in the Prix de l'Abbé. And we've also got uh, Aidan O'Brien, well represented as well. We've got Dermot Wells uh, bidding to win back-to-back Breeders' Cup Philly and Turks with uh, Tarnawa. So... The, and the jockeys, we've Billy Lee over there, we've got Lee Roach over there, Gavin Cromwell, another Irish trainer, better known as a jumps trainer, but he's running his first ever Royal Ascot winner, Quick Susie, over there as well. We've got Gary Carroll, Lee Roach, uh, Colin Keane, uh, Billy Lee. We've got some of our top jockeys all going over there, Gary Carroll as well, Shane Foley going over to ride for Jessica Harrington. It's, it's something we should be very proud of. And for so many Irish trainers to be represented at probably the biggest international meeting of the year on the flat is something that Irish people should be very, very proud of. We've got, as I said, Joseph O'Brien bidding to win his second Melbourne Cup in the early hours of tomorrow morning. We've got Johnny Allen, an Irish jockey, riding one of the fancied ones as well, who's basically made his home and is proving so successful on, in Australia. So it just goes to show how strong the racing and breeding industry is in Ireland. It's the only thing we're world leaders in and it's something we should be very, very proud of. No, and, and so say all of us. Do you want to give us one sneaky one for next weekend in the Breeders' Cup, Kevin, that might get us all out of jail here? Oh, God, Eddie. Uh, talk about putting me on. I should be well used to this. Uh, oh, you've caught me! You've caught me on the hop! You've caught me on the hop! Ah, uh, pearls galore, maybe. Do you think pearls galore could do the business over there? Well, you've put me on the hop, so I'm. <laughs> 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 you caught me on the hop. Sorry, pearls galore. Yeah, look, the track will suit pearls galore because a tight turning track. She loved the ground as well, and uh, she. I'm not saying she's going to go and win. I don't know what the uh, the American form is. But uh, 
she'd have to have a big chance. And of course, Joseph O'Brien is me running Thundering Knights over there. Another Irish trainer who's a runner in, in America next weekend at Breeders' Cup meeting. No, Kevin, I look forward to speaking to you next week. If Pearls Galore doesn't win, the whole of Kilkenny and Carlo are going to come looking for you and hunting <laughs> you down. Good man. Thanks a million as always, Kevin. Pleasure, Ed. Anytime. Cheers. That is, of course, Kevin O'Ryan, Racing TV pundit and, of course, Jockey's agent as well. We're going to take a quick ad break there and we're going to come back with Carlo Football straight after this. Full time on KCL Or. With thanks to the full range of Skoda vehicles at La Hartz, the home of Skoda in Kilkenny, lahartzskoda.ie. And you're very welcome back. And as promised before that ad break, I said we'd be switching our attention to the Carlo GEA football championships that were played at the weekend. And joining me on the line, I'm delighted to be joined by Willie Quinn. And Willie, good evening. Eddie, how are you? How are you keeping? Uh, very good, thank you. And yourself, Willie? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, Eddie. Good man. Will you have to step in there, Brendan Hennessy, of course, pulled the hamstring there on Sunday and missed out <laughs> a few <laughs> of the did, games. He did. He did. He got an injury at the last minute and he ended up stepping in for the intermediate final, obviously, on the on the Saturday and then uh, both senior matches on the Sunday. But uh, lots of sport going on at both Saturday and Sunday. Just on the intermediate final, Air Og winning their first intermediate title for a good few years there on a, on a big scoreline. Three goals and 11 points to seven points. Yeah, um, Nevon Moishel never really got going, and I suppose the game really goals, goals win games. And uh, Aero had a very young team; I would actually finished with ten under twenties, and Ben Crotty with with two goals and a point, and Adam McCarn, two guys in the full forward line. Adam McCarn's only eighteen, and Ben is nineteen. Adam McCarn with one five, couple, uh, a couple of frees, but really the way the game has gone, it is. Uh, such a fast game even though it's a, it is a step down from senior but uh, these young guys really have, have pushed it on it has been a really unusual championship because they all lost their first two championship matches and looked like that they could be relegated if they were beaten in Tullow against Clanmore and going into the last five minutes they're actually down by a point but ended up winning by five and something similar against Tullow they were under really big pressure against Tullow Tullow seemed to be dominating and they all picked up two injuries two midfielders had to go off and brought on that man again Ben Crotty and Adam McCarron both and stepped up and got a couple of goals and ended up winning the game by eight points so it was an unusual championship going from nearly being relegated to actually uh, when, when they got to a final it looked really uh, their football really came to fruition on the, the Saturday night because as soon as it started they got three or four points on the board and Nevon Moishel never looked like getting back into it no they didn't and, and fair juice there Oak as well intermediates there they, they, they did run out convincing victors in the senior section Palatine 1-7 Mount Leinster Rangers 13 points and Bagnastown Gales 1 goal and 9 points the Tin Rylands 1 goal and 7 points you know big wins for, for, for both Mount Leinster Rangers and Bagnastown Gales sets us up nicely now for the for the senior semi-finals it does indeed, and uh, I suppose everybody thought it was a surprise with Mountain Rangers the way, the way they played. I have been watching them for a number of years, and they have some really, really good footballers. Uh, Chris Nolan uh, with two points, Ted Joyce with four points, Edward Bourne inside with uh, two great points as well, and Kevin McDonald. So the, their spawn came from all over the place. Dermot, Dermot Bourne with a point from a 45, and Connor Fenland, the right half back, scoring a point. They, they have the players, I really think. Probably the night suited them. It was a wet, a windy night. They're big, strong, physical players. Their game plan was was excellent. They got 13 behind the ball, uh, slowed down uh, Palantine from getting getting their scores, and then as soon as they turned it over, they were able to they were able to get scores. They actually 
Cormac Holloway, which was a stepped in for Craig Carney, was probably man of the match. He stopped five one and one. So Mount Leinster Rangers could have really been out of sight at half time and only for him he kept Palantine in the game. But uh, Mount Leinster Rangers definitely deserve to be uh, in the semi final and they play A Rogue next Sunday and that'll be a ding dong battle uh, in Dr. Cullen Park. Literally I've about 35 seconds left with you, Willie, and, and I do want to press on that. We've Ratville versus Bagnallstown Gales and Aero Og versus Mount Leinster Rangers. Bagnallstown Gales probably the surprise packages of the championship, but is Ratville going to be a step too far for them? Well, Bagnallstown Gales are the only one, Eddie, that I think that can cause an upset. They, they were beaten last weekend by two points by Ratville, but if they had to take other chances, they could have actually won the game. Um, I think Airog are that little bit step far ahead of everyone. I think they'll be in the final. But looking forward to a really ding dong battle with Bagnastone Gales and Raffili. No, and so are we. Hopefully, Brendan's hamstring injury will have recovered in time to go and go down there <laughs> and, and do it. And I'm sure you're you're ready to to to, to, to do the job if we're caught as well. If he's not, we'll step in again, Eddie. There's no problem at all. That's brilliant, Willie. Thanks a million as always for taking the call. I really appreciate that. Thanks, Eddie. No bother. Thank you. Cheers. That is, of course, Willie Quinn and there bringing us up to speed with all things Carlo GEA. Just to recap on that, Ratvilli versus Bagnallstown Gales and Aero Og versus Mount Leinster Rangers will be, of course, live on KCLR next weekend. That's everything from me tonight on Full Time. Thanks very much to Kevin O'Ryan for bringing us up to speed with all things racing. Adrian Ronnie Ronan, who done the comp, the hurling with us from Kilkenny, and of course, Winnie Quinlan, who's just been speaking to me there about Carlo GEA. At La Hart Skoda Kilkenny, we have 0% PCP finance on a range of models of new Skodas for 212. Yes, that's 0% for a limited time only. With service plans from $12.99 per month, now is the time to order your new 212 Skoda at La Hart's. Visit laharts.ie or call 056-7704-700 to find out more about our great offers. Finance provided by Skoda Financial Services Ireland and subject to lending criteria. Terms and conditions apply.